This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And uh, good morning to you on this holiday uh, Saturday. Yeah. And what a gorgeous day it is. Wow. This is apparently going to be one of the best. I mean, today of, of all the days, supposedly. <laughs> I'm only hoping everything just yeah, kind of scoots on through to the next uh, two days at least. Because you know? you're going to be out gardening? Well, naturally. You know me. <laughs> I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, and that is Charlie Dobbin, the voice you've just heard. Uh, the voice you will hear when you call these numbers I'm going to give you will be David Gaskin, assisted ably this morning by Tristan, his uh, partner in crime, mm-hmm. in our production uh, room there. But here are the phone numbers for The Garden Show in Toronto. If you want to call us, by all means, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 740 Four seven forty. Well, here at AM seven forty, we're all excited. We got the long holiday weekend. Maybe could be the rapture at six tonight. You I know, know. We're just, I just said. So I in woke case up. we don't see you again, <laughs> folks, goodbye. <laughs> I woke up this morning and my newspapers were there, and I said, "Well, everything seems to be okay today." Yeah, you were a day out. <laughs> it's all working. The, the newspapers have arrived, and I got out of bed, and my neighborhood's still here. And what a gorgeous day. Yeah, yeah oh, it really is. I'm so excited. I have just chores galore for the garden. And I have the able assistance of my entire family who I've roped in to oh, get they're digging. Oh, so happy about that. Oh, you know. know it. They're just jumping out of bed with joy right now. And I'm glad I'm not related. Uh, okay. Come on, you would like it. Oh, get dirty, get a little vitamin D. It's all good. Oh, and you've got some good news coming along the way here. Huh? I've got all kinds of announcements. All okay. right, so starting right off the top. Let's see, where does it start? Today. Well, remember today, because I mentioned this last week, the Burlington Horticultural Society is hosting their annual plant, used books, gardening gloves, lily bulbs, and bake table sale. And let's throw in the kitchen sink. And, and yeah, and gumboots, yeah. <laughs> in the parking lot of the Senior Center, uh, New Street at Drury Lane. So that's today until 11 a.m. So right. if you're going, get going. <clears throat> now, for coming up... Connecting People with Plants. Mm. This is a very special event on June the 4th. The Humber Arboretum and the Etobicoke Master Gardeners present a free community event. It's all about gardens, right? Speakers, educational tours of the Mm -hmm. Humber Arboretum, which is a lovely place. Nature walks. That's the one place where I actually had chickadees come and land on me with no food in my hands at all. You just put your hand out and the chickadees will land on your hand. Well, it's because you look like a big bird feeder. Oh, be quiet. It's because they've been so trained (laughs) by other people. <laughs> so you go in there with no food and the chickadees will still come ah. to you and, and like land on you. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. So nature walks, master gardeners will have an advice clinic, children's programs, displays, exhibits, all kinds of stuff, a plant sale. So from 10 
till 3 on June the 4th at Humber College, which is 205 Humber College Boulevard. Lots of free parking. And for more information, just go to www.humberarboretum.on.ca. Now, bringing it back to Toronto, we've got the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Of course, it's nonstop action Mm -hmm. there. But what they're doing that's kind of neat is they're doing a tour and a taste spring vegetables at the TBG. So Paul Zamet, who is, of course, the uh, chief horticulturalist of the Toronto Botanical Gardens, and chef Simon Qatar are going to teach you what to do with fiddleheads, leeks, wild mushrooms, and wildflowers. Mm-hmm. All right? So they're going to put together delicious springy delights. They're going to serve these at tasting stations. It's all in the gardens, the TBG Gardens, of course. This is happening this Wednesday, May the 25th, from noon until 2 p.m. So meet at the TBG Cafe. And, of course, Toronto Botanical Gardens is Leslie and Lawrence. So that's a fun event from at noon. And then another special one, this is very cool, happening this Monday, The Niagara Parks Botanical Gardens is pleased to announce there's a special presentation by the renowned, and this gentleman is truly renowned, horticulturalist, writer, researcher, and teacher, Dr. Alan Armitage. Uh, He has written numerous research papers, 13 books. He writes for for a bunch of magazines. He's well-known all over the place as a speaker and videos. Yeah, Alan Armitage. So the evening special presentation is called Stories from the Garden, Stories for, you'd like this, Stories for Storytellers and Gardeners. Actually, you and I would both like this. It promises to be an evening of gardening tales that everybody will enjoy. This starts at 7 o'clock this Monday. Uh, sorry, not, is it, yeah, it is this Monday, May the 30th. Um, no, it's not this Monday. Sorry, it's a week Monday. Yeah. Event starts at 7. The location is Legends on the Niagara. Oh, Do golf you know course. What, oh, golf course. Okay, yeah. 172 Willoughby Drive in Niagara Falls. Tickets are $25 and must be pre-purchased. So for information, www.niagraparks.com. Good stuff. All right, lots wow. going on all lots over the place. happening. And uh, oh. we, I uh, see our lines are already jammed here. And we've got the folks mantra. on the line. Yes, the mantra is call early, call often. Like One these question folks, per call. call early. Right. Joyce was off the mark there right off the bat. And we're going to be uh, going out on a little trip to Acton in just a moment. Here at AM 740, Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. Friends say she's down to earth. And that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, along with Charlie, welcoming Joyce from Acton to the line. Hi, Joyce. Hi there. Good morning. Um, Last uh, winter and spring, I had an awful infestation of voles Mm -hmm. and took your advice and used the nematodes two or three times last summer and fall. Mm -hmm. Um, No sign of them this year. The lawn's beautiful. However, I did hear you say the other week about putting the nematodes toads down in August and they're in the stores now. Should I be putting them down now? No. Well, I think what you're seeing in the stores is there's two different nematodes out there because the nematodes are species specific. I see. It should be that if there's nematodes out there now, they will say on them that they are for the control of leather jackets. Okay. Which are not the same as the nemato- sorry, as the um, nematodes that we use for the grubs. Right. Okay. Leather jackets are actually the larvae or the babies that come from crane flies. Mm. And crane flies are those insects that look like big monster mosquitoes. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, right. Yeah. And we see those late in the summer. Uh-huh. Uh, and they fly around. They actually lay their eggs in the lawns. You'll right. see them if you watch because they're so yeah. big. They right. position themselves and 
drop their little eggs into the lawn. The lawns, so the eggs hatch usually in late, well, um, sort of either early spring or late fall, mm-hmm. and the leather jackets start chewing the roots in the right. spring. Uh, so if you're seeing oh. nematodes now, that's what they should be for. If anybody's selling nematodes for grub control, don't buy them. Don't buy it. Uh, they okay. shouldn't be selling them now. There's no way you're controlling grubs with nematodes now. Right. You will use those in mid-August. Oh, the absolutely. Walls made such a mess. My my front lawn looked like a road map. Mm. Oh, it was awful. And it was voles for sure, right? It wasn't it was moles. voles. I saw them. The little sharp nose. Yeah, they look like mice with a with a pointed nose. Yeah, and they mm. the roots on my roses looked like carrots. Right, they because completely stripped the. That's fruit. what voles do. See, yeah. voles are oh. vegetarians. They yeah. eat roots of plants. I'll tell you what else I got was those um, things you plug in the sonar type thing. Like they send off a oh a high pitched. Uh, sound or something right. that you oh, yeah. don't hear. Right. And I did that too. I was just so desperate. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, it's looking good this year though. It's beautiful. Good. With, with the dogs in I your name. I listened to you and I used the Scots with the corn gluten. Oh yes. And no no weeds and no dandelions. Good. Like to hear that. It works. Good nice. for you, Joyce. Thank you for your time and I'll let you get to the rest of your show. Okay. Oh, thanks for thanks, calling, Joyce. Joyce. Hey, Alrighty, hey, good stories from yeah. Joyce. And Alrighty. you know what? She's absolutely right. The corn gluten, which is the turf builder lawn fertilizer with weed prevent. Uh-huh. Okay. The weed prevent part being the corn gluten. Now is the time. If you haven't done it yet, do it now because uh, uh, as in apply it to your lawn to control weed seeds from germinating. So, you know what? The tandy lions. Are we seeing a lot of yellow lately? Yeah. Yellow is the new black, they say. So, uh, we've seen a lot of dandelions that are going to go to seed in the next few days. When all those seeds start flipping all over the place and start want to germinate, this corn gluten will stop those seeds from germinating. Good tip. Offered mm-hmm. up by Charlie Dovin at 916 here on the Garden Show from AM740. As we say hi to Wally, who's calling in from Ajax. Hi, Wally. Hi, how are you? This Good. Frank. Morning. Yes, morning, to, uh, Charlie. I have a um, spruce tree, mm-hmm. which um, was about four inches tall. It's grown through the fence, and I moved it to another location. It's now about two feet high, mm-hmm. and I want to know when could I move it again. So how long has it been in the location it's in now? Oh, uh, it was about four inches tall, and it's now about two feet tall, so it's got to be four or five years, I mm-hmm. think. Okay. And are you, you just want to move it somewhere on your property? Yes, I just want to move it out a bit from the fence where I had located I never thought it was going to take. <laughs> Funny, eh, when plants survive. Oh, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Oh, good. All right, so uh, now would be a wonderful time. It would, and I would, to move a plant like that, so it's been there three or four years, you know, that's fine. You're going to do some root damage, but you're going to try and pick up the largest root ball that you can possibly lift. You're going to, it's beautiful now because the soil is nice and moist. The soil is likely to stay in a ball as opposed to falling away from the roots, which is exactly what you want. Uh, I would prepare the hole in advance for where you're moving the spruce to. So dig out the the soil. Uh, If you're amending that soil, have your amendments on hand. Have some transplanter fertilizer or quick start or bone meal, something that will encourage root growth right away on hand. And then get that root ball lifted up, like I say, in such a way that the soil stays in a ball on the roots over to your new spot, into your new hole, planting always at the same level it's growing at now or slightly higher because it will drop a bit, and then firmly tamping it in and watering. Okay. 
And uh, the sooner, the sooner the better. Like if you can do it this weekend or today, that's great. That sounds like a good plan. There you okay. go. We, we've all got our chores for the garden. No rest for the wicked, Wally. Away you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks okay. for your call. Thank you. Well, we've got a busy show, it seems, this morning. Eva from Mississauga on the line here. Welcome to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show here at AM 740, Eva. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a gardenia plant, and I want to know how to look after it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be going away for a few days. How do I do that without... Yes, that's a bit scary. Uh, How long are you going away for? Uh, Four days. Four days. Because the trick with gardenias is they have to be kept moist at all times. Okay. So there's nobody going to be staying in your place at all? No. Okay. So for the normal best care of a gardenia, you need it to have it in a nice bright spot in your home, like sunny window. Uh, If it's a southern window, I'd have it a few feet away. But if it's in a north window, I'd have it right in the window. It's southwest. Southwest, okay. So it doesn't have to be right on the windowsill, but within, you know, five, six feet of that window. Right. So nice and bright. Uh, You check every day to make sure the soil is nice and moist. Just feel it with your fingers. You may even water almost every day or every second day, depending on the temperature inside your home. Okay. If you you like misting, like a little spritzer bottle, mist a couple of times a day. They love high humidity. Okay. And uh, it will will grow beautifully. Uh, The trick, of course, is to get it to flower beautifully because that's what we love about gardenias. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the thing about going away, though, what I would do is while you're away, either close the drapes or the, or the blinds on that window and leave the gardenia where it is, or move the gardenia away from the window so it's in a darker spot. Meaning, So all I'm suggesting is if you're going to be away for four days, you need to take it out of a situation where it's going to dry out quickly. Yes, I can. Could I stand it on pebbles? Uh, you could. I'd almost be inclined to leave it standing on pebbles all the time. But when you go away, actually, sit it right down into the water. Move the pebbles. Sit the little plant right down into that water that's in the tray. Okay. So that it's going to have a, a you know constant moisture around it while you're away. Okay. As soon as you get back, of course, lift it right back up onto the pebbles. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and yeah, turn your thermostat down or whatever. Make sure that it's not getting too hot in the room that it is because it'll just use that much more water. And fertilizing. Fertilizing, we always fertilize our plants when they're actively growing, and I think you'll find your gardenia is currently in that phase of active growth. It's got lots of buds. Excellent. Right. Now, you, there is a very specific fertilizer you'll use for gardenias, and it'll say right on it. Uh, usually it'll say it, it'll be a water-soluble, so a fertilizer you mix with water. It may say it's for gardenias, but it'll definitely say right on it for azaleas and rhododendrons. Okay. Read the fine, fine print, and it'll talk about gardenias and and, and you know, hydrangeas and other plants, blueberries. Thank so you very much. For acid-loving plants. Thank you. You're very welcome. Great. Thank you for calling, Eva. It's uh, 921. Uh, just be, uh, I want to remind you of the phone numbers, particularly for those who uh, are just new to the show and don't have the numbers memorized as or, the number of people do. in their speed dial. Uh, yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> for Toronto area, you threw me there. 416-360-0740, Toronto area listeners. Now, if you're anywhere in the province, toll-free number is... Is one eight six six seven forty 
888-344-4740. Let you in a little uh, pre-show conversation I had with Charlie. She says, how is your back doing? Because I had a little bit of a back problem, the lower lumbar area, you know. And I said, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I wasn't maybe as diligent as I should have been in taking Sierracil. So I said, I'm going to start just taking this religiously. Mm-hmm. And by gosh, you know, my back is like 300% better. Isn't that good? Yeah. And of course, what that means is since you don't have a sore back, you can bend down and pick oh, things up that you drop. Oh, to the garden. I know it. you can come and help me in my <laughs> backyard. Uh, you can be active yeah. and not hurting. Yeah, because that's no. the thing, right? When it hurts to do something, we don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And then we don't do it, and then months go by, and then, of course, we can't do we it. start to seize up. That's right. Yeah. So staying limber and staying pain-free is what it's all about. And Sierra Sill has helped both you and I with that. For more information, one eight seven seven joint 14 There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming Natalie from Washburn Islands. Uh, Fill me in. Where's Washburn Islands, Natalie? Hello, Natalie. Hello? Yeah. Where where are you located? Uh, Washburn Islands. Where exactly? Oh, it's on Lake Scugog. Oh, Oh, there you go. It sounded for me. I couldn't place it. There you go. Okay. That's our old stomping grounds. Exactly. Before they built the casino, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) We're just across from it on the other island. Are you? Yeah. Yes. Beautiful place to be on a day like today. Oh, it's lovely, yes. I was calling regarding my grass, Mm -hmm. my lawn. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lawn man here, and he uh, he said, I think I have numerous problems, but one he said was uh, necrotic rings. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered how I could um, handle that. I I know you don't use um, Kentucky bluegrass. You don't water at night. But I wonder, how do I get rid of this? Well, what did this gentleman suggest when he was... Uh, he just said it was a terrible problem and... Uh, oh. <laughs> and, then and have a nice day. It was, it was my neighbor that, um, hmm. that, that um, had him at his place and hit me oh, brought him over. Oh, I see. Um, okay, well, if you really... Ha- do, what are you seeing on the lawn? Are you actually seeing round rings on there the lawn? There are some areas, yes, with, with grass in the center and a dead, dead around it. Mm-hmm. And in the center as well? So like it's like no, it's no, like a donut. The center, some parts, some of it is dead in the center, but the, some of it is it's actually like a, a ring. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In some areas, other areas. That's another question. Well, the same field, uh, the same uh, line. Does it? Is it always rings or like there's like dead patches as well? Like okay, so there's there are many diseases, fungal diseases of turf grass. We don't often see all those diseases because we don't often get rain as much as we've had this spring. Man, if we had the rain. But I've had this before. Have you? Okay. I've had it before, and I think I was guilty of of watering too much because we can water from the lake, and I didn't know watering was, like, too much water was a problem years ago. And I used to just water a lot. Okay. So um, because there are so many diseases and they aren't always seen, I have very quickly uh, Googled uh, something called necrotic ring spot in lawns. And it's taken me to the Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs uh, website where there's a fact sheet all about this. And what it's saying is that necrotic ring spot is commonly found on sodded lawns in the first five years after establishment. It is caused by a fungus. Symptoms start as yellow patches, which can coalesce 
so you've just got you know big yellow patches. As the disease progresses, brown rings with healthy grass on the inside and outside develop. The turf in the approximate um, rings can be pulled out easily because the roots and crowns are dead. Is that true? If you pull, yeah. so um, on an individual plant infected by the fungus, uh, you see a lot of yellowing and bleaching of the younger leaves. Uh, black and da 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 growth is promoted. The growth of the fungus is promoted by cool, wet weather in the spring and autumn. All right, so that's exactly what we've got going on. To go down to what to do to control, the best method of control is provide the necessary fertility requirements. So have you done any fertilizing this spring yet? We fertilized once, yes. Okay, so you're good. Don't do any more fertilizing. Reducing the clay in the soil. Well, you're not going to take the clay out, but you could certainly top dress your lawn mm-hmm. if you have a very heavy water-holding, you know, soggy type of soil. Now, what it suggests is irrigating deeply and infrequently. Okay, so that's do not water every day. Do not even no. water every second day. But when you do water, water very, very deeply. And that's only when it's hot yes. and dry. Okay. Okay. Mowing at a high height. Are you mowing? Your lawn is at least three inches tall? Yes, my husband is doing that. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Overseeding with a resistant Kentucky bluegrass cultivar, of which there are a bunch on this website. Uh, and the other thing, in southwestern Ontario, seeding damaged lawns with perennial ryegrass, which is also resistant to necrotic ring spot. So if you're not totally hung up on having a pure bluegrass lawn, consider incorporating some ryegrass, perennial ryegrass, into with your... Kentucky bluegrass. That's right, as an overseeding. So top dressing and overseeding. Okay, I... It, would this would would a fungus when you're raking the lawn mm-hmm. in a, let's say in another area when you're raking the lawn mm-hmm. would it come up like hair? It lifts right up and it's dead too. <sighs> would that be a fungus too? But wait, so what's coming out? Like uh, yellow grass is coming up. You mean? Yes, uh, and it all comes up. Well. If the if there's no roots attached, we often suspect grubs because they've or voles has you know one of our earlier callers because they the roots have been eaten away. If the roots are still there but they're dead and just dried up, bleached away, then absolutely we suspect a fungal disease. In bottom line, there is no fungicides at all registered for control either for homeowners or, you know, even the, ter- the the golf courses. So this is something that really has to be controlled with cultural practices. So, so I would take, would I try and take all that dead grass away? Absolutely. First you rake. Always, always. When you're doing any kind of lawn repair, we rake by raking out the dead. You have to take that. When that stuff that's lifting up, I won't try and pat it back down and no. hope it'll grow. No, no. You if it's it yellow, right if it's raking up, it's dead. If it's raking up, it's dead. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you might end up with some very large bare patches on your lawn. So okay. that's where the top dressing and overseeding comes yes. in. <laughs> you know, I was told well, years ago on the garden show that you put um, tide, regular tide, and, and the original tide on, mm-hmm. a, on a fungus, like on a roof or something. So I was sprinkling tide on these rings. <laughs> I don't know. If mm. if okay. that well, they'd be clean, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... Honestly, okay, tide is a detergent, and it will literally wash things. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe it was to do with cleaning moss or clear, algae. It did clear the mildew completely off the roof. Right. It worked wonderfully. And so I thought, well, if this is a fungus, maybe the tide will work. But I don't want to damage them on anymore. Yeah, don't. Don't use any detergent or soap because that is never going to be a good fungal, a control for fungus. Your okay. best thing to do is also make sure that good air circulation, a well, sun. Well, I was taking a screwdriver and poking, 
poking, like poking well, aerating the, the soil. Well, yeah. or, or consider hiring a lawn care company yes. to do an aeration for you, yes. particularly if you have a poorly drained, you know, heavy clay soil. There's nothing better than popping some plugs out, get opening up some pore space, allowing air and moisture to get down deep. Yeah, hey, I'll even loan you my golf shoes. Just walk around. <laughs> well, that's right. Those yeah. They have those aerator shoes just like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's better to pull, have the plugs actually pulled out rather than pushing down because you actually just compact even more when you poke down. You really want to pull out. Yeah, okay. Okay, so get it aerated, top, you know, raked, aerated, top-dressed, overseeded, and... Be careful with your watering. Only water when it's dry and water deeply. Okay. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for that, Natalie. Washburn Islands. Now, yeah. I know exactly next time when someone calls in from Washburn Islands Absolutely. where they are located. you will. Gosh, we're going out to Guildwood, which I think is just to the east of Toronto, it right? It is, like yes. near the bluffs there. It's beautiful. Right. And Val <laughs> is on the line c- confirming that, right, Val? Good, I am. Good, Good morning, Charlie. Thank you for the wonderful program. Oh, you're welcome, Val. You live in a lovely place. Yes, I do. Oh. I really love it here. I'm an original owner, too. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So how long have you lived there, then? And uh, I've lived here 50-something years. I knew you were going to say would that. you believe I paid $17,000 for the house? 17, oh, stop. And what's it worth now, about $2 million? <laughs> <laughs> Because you are, I think. <laughs> you're in a really beautiful spot, and you can just see the lake. Um, yeah, yeah. I just want to ask you. Um, I bought a lantana plant, mm-hmm. and I know it's native to Australia, and this ain't Australia. But mm-hmm. uh, how soon can I put? Uh, it's very happy in the solarium. Mm-hmm. It's blooming, mm-hmm. and it's. Uh, I understand it becomes quite invasive in Australia. Is that true? <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> is. It is a noxious weed in Australia. It's against the law to plant lantana yeah, in well, Australia. Yeah, I love it anyway. Of course, we love it because it's not a problem here. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'll, I'll always remember a, a customer way back in my retail days coming into the store I was working in, and he saw this big display of lantana. Yeah. He was from Australia, and he looks at me and goes, I can't believe you're selling that stuff. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, that stuff's like just a huge problem in Australia. I go, hey, it's like a really exotic plant to us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so you're wondering when you can get it outdoors? Yeah. Well, when do you think we're going to be frost-free? Oh, well, I, I'm hoping that it's this weekend. We always use this as our <laughs> magical weekend, don't we? We think so, yes. It, there hasn't actually been a frost for a number of weeks now. No, there hasn't. Um, I personally... I personally would start introducing it to the outdoors. Of course, remember, you don't go straight out into the hot sun right away yeah. on a day like today. Even take it out into the shade today. Yeah. And then the rain and the, the um, overcast tomorrow is yeah. going to be perfect for yeah. introducing the plant to the real world. Yeah. But watch the weather. I if will. we're getting anywhere down near five degrees or lower, you yeah. bring that plant right back indoors. Okay. And Charlie, uh, petunias were always rather... Uh, boring, but this year, have you seen them? The black ones with yes. the yellow inside? Yeah. Aren't they amazing? I love them. I love them too. I'm going to put them in, you know, outside uh, pretty soon and make a little display of them. Oh, you know? and they're particularly nice. There's three varieties. They're the one, there's a black one with a wide yellow stripe called Phantom. Yes, I've got that. And then there's a black one with a very thin yellow stripe called Pinstripe. Got that. And, <laughs> and the trick with those is to, <laughs> just you should see the look on Frank's face. He's going, what are you people talking about? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed at the happiness that uh, a flower brings to people. Exactly. You know? Why are you amazed at that? Well, uh, I'm just looking at Dave Gaskin 
in our, our producer's face. Uh, both of us are thinking of a wonderful scotch at this particular <laughs> point in time, and we have the same expression on our face when as you, you do when you talk about, about the yeah. scotch. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? You're going to have to get with the program because it's all about gardening on this show. And, and for most of us at this time of year, it's all yeah. about quality of life in the garden. But I was just going to say with those dark, dark petunias, yeah. obviously you need to put them in a, a sunny spot. Yeah. But look for an opportunity to really contrast those colors. I will. Put yeah. them against a light background. Okay. Uh, put them in with yellow, other, yeah. you know, yellow contrasting plants. Yeah. Just make sure that they're not in with a bunch of dark green because you you just you'll lose that see them, that yeah. phenomenal yeah. darkness of them. Yes, that's, I will do that, Charlie. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for Mel. your call. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Nine thirty-six, and just before we get to Barbara in St. Catharines, yes. you and I were having a chat uh, mm-hmm. just before airtime, and you wanted to recommend something for balconies and backyards. I did because it all started with you looking at me and saying, "Boy, you look tired." Yeah, this is a riot. This <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm a little tired because I got to bed a little late." And of course, you said, "Oh, out partying," and yeah. I said, "No, actually, I was starting my usual." gardening by flashlight routine that I seem to get into every year. Why, you say? Well, just because I'm crazy busy during the day, so I, I get out in the dark. So yesterday, it's been bugging me. For the last 10 days, I've been trying to remember where I put the parts to my water feature. I have a very simple water feature. Everybody can have this. And I mentioned to Frank, you should have one of these. It's an above ground. In my case, it's an above ground. It's like a half barrel, sits on my patio, has one of those cast iron, old fashioned hand pumps attached Mm. to the side, which basically just sits there. Then inside the half barrel is a little electric pump that pumps water round and round through kind the of a old, continuous flow. Yeah, the yeah. old-fashioned cast iron pump yeah. that's attached to the side. The reason I've been wanting to get this out, I put it away every winter. You know, it's all nice and dry and clean in the garage. I put it out in the spring because in my neighborhood and in all suburban neighborhoods, we have a lot of ambient noise, whether it's the kids on the trampoline next door or the lawnmower on the other side or the iPod on the other side. There's there's noise and air conditioners and yep. all that. I run this water feature 24-7 during spring, summer, and fall, and I don't hear any of that. All I hear is the trickling of water. White noise. White, exactly. And everybody can do this. It's so simple. Uh, so there I am for the last 10 days losing sleep trying to figure out where I left that little bag with the little pump and my little <laughs> accessories. Here I am with the big half barrel sitting there empty and the big, you know, yeah. cast iron pump yeah, yeah. sitting there collecting dust. So I, I said, that's it. At 9 o'clock last night, that's it. I'm finding it. So I went I started ripping and tearing the garage apart, found the bag, got out my flashlight, and put it all together, filled it up, plugged it all in, and it's trickling away beautifully in my back garden right now. Of course, my husband thinks I'm a nutcase because he says, well, ooh, you did that last night? And I go, I think yeah. Elliot, Elliot has the right idea. I, I, think, you know. I did that by, by flashlight. And, you know, you too could have that on your balcony was my yeah. part of my point. Yeah. But as you pointed out, that electrical, that AC outlet yeah. is very important. So yeah. you, you would have to figure out a way to get some AC out there. Maybe put your little squirrel to work on a, yeah, on a um, yeah. you know treadmill and could crank <laughs> some uh, some energy out there for you to run a water feature. I like it. I, think I like it. No, make no, him I, work I, I, for his I'm food. Look into that. That sounds You're like a always darn good looking idea. after that little squirrel. Well, son of a gun, uh, he's a cute little guy. <laughs> I bet he is. Yeah. My water feature is pretty cute too. I think well, everybody should have one. Something to really consider. Hey, Barbara in St. Catharines, uh, thank you for holding on there. Hello there. Hi. Good morning. Beautiful day today. It sure is. And I'm looking at my huge aloe vera plant in mm. my front window. <laughs> Uh, can it go outside? 
For sure. Do I leave it in the pot or get, should I transplant it into the, into the garden or what? I was going to say it's going to get huger if you put it outside. Well, keep in mind, aloe vera is a succulent, right? Mm. And you mentioned it's huge. So it's probably big and heavy to carry around. Yes. I would not try and plant it in the garden if you would like to bring it in in the fall. Because, of course, it must come in or it will die outside in the winter. Right. So I would leave it in the pot. Make sure it's in a clay pot or a terracotta pot. Oh, I have it in a plastic one. Good drainage. What size pot is it in it's now? A, it's about a foot high and about 10 inches wide. Okay. So that's the pot. And meanwhile, the aloe vera is another couple of feet taller than it, that? It's The longest leaves are about a foot and a half. Okay. I would be inclined to transplant. This is the time to do our transplanting. I'd be inclined to transplant into a clay pot. Okay. This It's very easy at this time of year to get a hold of nice big ones because a couple of things happen with aloe vera. They tend to get top heavy. We need to keep the soil nice and dry. And the plant, when it's full of moisture, you know, it's it's a heavy top growth and they fall over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, in, in a clay pot, that keeps them bottom heavy, even if the soil is dry the plant will be nice and bottom heavy. Well, so, it suffers from benign neglect. Good. It's exactly <laughs> it's what it should. It's probably not suffering at all. It's really happy with the benign Kill neglect. Kill with kindness, yeah. Well, neglect is the or best neglect. way with yeah. any of the succulents or cacti is just leave them alone. So to get it outside, of course, ultimately you're going to want to get in it into a half-sun, half-shady location. Well, but you'll, my front garden would be the perfect one for that. There you go, Barbara. So just start it in the shade. Uh, take it out for a couple of days into like today out in the shade as we said earlier tomorrow it's going to be overcast probably but keep it in a shady spot for a good week or so and then slowly move it into the sunnier spots Uh, and just recognize that you know if it is getting tippy nothing wrong with giving it a a nice big heavy pot and earlier in the season is better than later in the season when it comes to transplanting okay thank you very much thank you Barbara we'll be back to our callers here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM 740 in just a moment supply the what and where and she'll come through with the how you're listening to the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin brought to you by scott's and uh, frank proctor grateful that you have joined us here on the garden show at am 740 grace in particular hello from uh, paisley ontario i understand right Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hi. I was wondering what I should do for my blue spruce to make them bluer. They seem to have lost some blue. Uh, okay, so that is actually an interesting question. Nothing. Nothing? Yep. Oh. Because blue, they, they will be as blue as they will be. And that's the interesting thing about blue spruces. There's every shade of blue out there. Oh. And we always say if you want a really intensely blue blue spruce, yeah. make sure it's blue when you buy it. Because it's I not going to turn any bluer as it gets older. I see. Uh, now, you th- may be thinking of hydrangeas where we fool around with pH to bring out the blue. Yeah. Uh, not it shouldn't make any difference on spruce. It you, you with the new growth, of course, though it's usually get nice blue tips with the, yeah. the new growth, don't you? Yeah. And then it just darkens as the as the um, foliage matures. Okay. But the color that it is is the color it's going to be. Okay. Okay. So what would you? What fertilizer would you put on evergreens? Uh, an evergreen food. Yeah. You know whether it's a granular or a water soluble. Okay. Uh, there you. There's um, just sort of depends on how many evergreens you're you're actually fertilizing. If you're doing a lot of evergreens, uh, granular is the easiest. You know, right. it's the old broadcast yeah. right onto the right. surface, and water will take it down. Right. 
Okay, Grace. All there right. we are. Thank, Thank you. you very much. I guess you blew it with a blue spruce there. <laughs> hey. Not necessarily. Yeah. It's well, just, no. But it's, it's not going to get any bluer. bluer. Than, than well, it's just... like the color of your shirt, right? That's yeah. it, that's almost a turquoise. That's what Let people love. Let me hold love. it up close to the microphone. Yeah, so, so people can see. Yes, there we are. That's what that's what people think of when they think blue spruce. They think yeah. intense turquoise. And we I do. I love a blue spruce. I really do. I think they're beautiful. They're often uh, over planted or planted in the wrong spots, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because they do become very large trees. You know, you really need a big property for blue spruce. Right. Well, I don't know what kind of uh, property we've got to, to talk about from Oshawa, but Ellen is uh, on that property and got a question for you, Charlie. Good mm-hmm. morning, Ellen. Hi, Frank. Hi, Charlie. Hi there. Hi, it's Bill and I that are here. Anyway, we have a forsythia bush that doesn't want to do what it's supposed to do. It's drooping towards the ground more like a weeping mulberry. Hmm, that's really weeping. Wow. So, what can we do about it? Okay, so what you're going to do about it, it's finished flowering now? No. Okay. Wait till it finishes flowering. Uh, how old is this uh, shrub? Oh, 10 years. Has 10 it, years. Have you done much pruning ever on it? No. Okay. So the the reason it's doing that is just because the, the stems have gotten so long, and now, of course, they're heavy, and they're with all the rain, it doesn't, you know, they're really uh, kind of pushing the growth. So you're seeing that, that droop or that weeping thing going on. Soon as it finishes flowering, which will probably be in the next few days or week or so, what I would do is go in there with my big loppers. I would take out at least three or four of the heaviest, biggest, oldest stems right at ground level. So those are going to be the ones that are a good two inches, might even be bigger, two and a half inches across. And those are the heaviest, oldest growth. As soon as you take those out at ground level, all of a sudden the whole plant's going to lighten up a whole bunch. Then you're going to get out your pruners or your secateurs and you're going to shape what's left of the plant into a nice you know, controlled size and shape, all of which will be standing upright at that point. Then you're going to leave it alone until next spring when you'll do the same thing again. Thank you very, very much. There You're you very go. welcome. Thanks. <laughs> very, oh, oh, lost them. But okay. I'm glad. That's exactly, it's exactly what you do with an old shrub. Wait until it finishes flowering and then get in there, take out the old growth at ground level, shape the younger growth so it's a nice proportional, you know, uh, balanced looking mm-hmm. plant and leave it alone until the following year when it finishes flowering and you do it again. There was something else we got talking about before going to air, as well as your little pump that you had outside, and you said, yeah, I want to mention that, too, and you know, darn if I can remember what it was. And I said, yeah, that's a good thing to bring up, too. And, you, and, we're, both, and we're both drawing blanks here. What uh, the heck was it? Gosh. I don't know. We were talking so much about all the... Oh, bird feeders. Yes. There you go. <clears throat> because you were having so much fun with your little squirrel, yeah. and you were talking about maybe putting out a bird feeder, but you were worried your little squirrel was going to rape and pillage the bird feeder. That's right. And I said, I've had a lot of bird feeders in my time, and I have a lot of them at this point. The one I love the best, I don't honestly remember, there's a, you know, a name, whatever the manufacturer yeah. is, but it's such a cool bird feeder because it's got this spring-loaded action so that the squirrels happily jump onto the bird feeder, but as soon as their weight gets up where the food is, it closes the whole cover right down, and they're looking at it going, where'd the food go? So they get off the bird feeder, it opens up, and there's the food again. And the birds can get at it because they they don't have that much They're not heavy enough to close it. And it is a a bird feeder. You can set the spring action for small, medium, and large 
birds or weight, if you will. So if you only want little tiny, tiny birds, you set it on a you know super, super lightweight. But of course, because then it would close, okay. even if a robin sat on it, yeah, it would close. Yeah. So right now I've got it like on the medium setting. So the grackles can't really get the food because they're too heavy, but the cardinals and blue jays and, and the robins can, and the squirrels can't get it. It's so funny. Well, I thought that the neat little uh, note to pass along to other folks who like birds as I do, and uh, I'm going to look that up. Okay. You should. It's a, it's a very simple bird feeder. It's not inexpensive, but it's well worth the price. Okie dokie. Okay. Enid, we're going to come to you very, very shortly here on The Garden Show. But first, we're going to do some calisthenics as yes. we go into our break, because we're getting ready to get out in the garden, or I am anyway. You are. You so are, you, yeah. you'll be doing some calisthenics <laughs> with me, because I'm going out in the garden during this break. So lots of stretching and getting limber. Don't want to be sore at the end of the day after all that bending and lifting and digging that I've got ahead of me today. Sierra Sil, taken daily, helps keep my keeps me uh, free of pain when it comes to my wrists and my knees and some of those joints that are getting a little sore with age. So I recommend if you're stiff or sore at all, Sierra Sil, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L dot C-A, or give them a call, one 877 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. Or the undergardener, as I prefer to keep you. Just a few levels below Charlie in my knowledge of gardening. (laughs) Just Um, a few. (laughs) Just a tad. Enid, I believe from Hamilton, is that correct, Enid? Yes. Yeah, welcome to the show. Eat. I'm sorry? I said, turn my name around, and it spells dine. Oh, oh dine. there you go. I'll remember that from here on in. <laughs> Whenever I'm backwards, as I usually go through life. I was going anyway. to say that's normal, isn't <laughs> well, it? Well, dine, welcome to the show. <laughs> Listen, I'm so excited. I've got my pen, I've got my pad, and this water feature. Mm. And I have an old galvanized wash tub. Mm. What do you think? I think it could work. Eh? I think so what it do could I work. Do? Well... Okay. What you need is a, a little circulating pump. I mean, a circulating pump. Right. So, if you want to make a small water feature and you have, as you say, yeah. a, an old wash tub, something that doesn't leak, right? It's got to be mm-hmm. completely solid. No, it doesn't leak. Solid. I've been putting flowers in it, but no, ah. sir, I'm going to make it into a, a water feature. So, good idea. Um, now, what you'll need is you want, the reason I'm suggesting a circulating pump is you can just put water into the, your, your water um feature, you know, your, whatever your container is, and lotus flowers in pots, oh, which really? love water, mm-hmm. and they're an annual, so they're very, very tender, but they don't want a lot of movement of water, and oh, so you don't yeah. even need a pump. Yeah. The the reason I don't like that idea, though, is because then you have stagnant water, yeah. and mosquitoes. then you're breeding oh, mosquitoes, mosquitoes, et cetera, et cetera. No, yeah. So the backyard is damp, yeah. Yeah, so that's where the circulating pump comes in, because moving water, the mosquitoes won't go near. Okay. And, and, and it's, it, you get the noise, right? And it's all about the, the sound of the, the water. Mm-hmm. Now, in the case of my situation, I have like a little platform on the side where I've got this upright pump attached, and the water circulates through the pump down into the barrel back up and around and around in your situation what i would probably do is go to just a regular like a home depot a lowe's those one of the home center stores Mm -hmm. right now they have water garden um accessories or whatever you know terra greenhouses any of those guys they have all the accessories you need what you'll do is you'll just put a little water pump in the bottom of your wash barrel Mm -hmm. and you'll adjust it so that the water is just either 
there's these different little ways you can have oh. fleur de lis. You can have just different shapes coming up, a uh, little mushroom look of the water as it breaks the surface and then splashes back down. And you have this Hawaiian music in the background. Well, there you, you go. Can, you can. You can. Little Mai Tai. And, yeah. and um, so the, the main thing is you need a pump of sufficient strength, you know, gallons mm-hmm. per hour, per minute, to move the water high enough. So just get the dimensions of your tub, take mm-hmm. it with you, go into any, like I say, a home store or garden center, tell them what you're, you're wishing to do, and they'll sell you the right sized pump with the right accessory to give you an interesting look. Oh. And then, of course, like I said, you need to have a plug nearby because you've got to be able to plug. Oh, I've got a lot of outlets. Okay, good. So plug that pump in. Fill the whole thing up with water. The only maintenance required is the evaporation of the water. You need to add water every now and then. Okay. That's the only thing you have to do. Hey, that's Perfect. great, Eden. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to do it today. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much for your time. Tell, okay. Let us know how that works. Oh, okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All righty, bye-bye. I think we have time to get if to James quick. in Thornhill. Okay, James, welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Morning. I was just wondering if amaryllis will grow up in Halliburton territory. Amaryllis uh, will grow outdoors? Yes, but it's very cold up there. I just wonder if it'll stand the winter. No, because no amaryllis will withstand the winter even in southern Ontario. It's a oh. tropical plant. Well, uh, I've got amaryllis and I live in Thornhill and they're growing every year. Wow. Okay, so it's not amaryllis then. So this is something that's growing in your garden. What color are the flowers? Well, they're all different colors, white, blue, and purple, and yellow, and they're like a little tree bush. Little tree bush. Well, a bush or a bush a tree, with whatever flowers. You want to call it. Uh, okay, more like a bush. When do when do you see the flowers? Well, they're out in bud right now. Out right now. Okay, so now I'm now I have, I'm confused. Is there any way you can take a photograph and send me a photo of this? Yes, I can do that. Because I think that that's what we've got going on. I'm just, I can't think what it is you've got flowering there. But I'd love to be able to tell you whether it can happen and grow happily in Halliburton. Could, okay. could you email me a photograph or would you need to mail yeah, it? Yeah, actually, I think there's a tag on one of the plants I got. Okay. Now I can go out and grab the tag. Tell you what, you go out and grab the tag and either give us a call first thing next week Or uh, I will give my email address right now, and you could email me that name. I don't have email. Oh, you don't. Okay. So grab the tag and be first caller next week. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much, James. Nine Nine o'clock. You're an early bird, eh? We are early birds. We get the worm. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, James. (laughs) Thank you. Talk to you next week. Okay, James. Thank you for uh, being on the show and uh, squeaking in the last minute there. No, that was very good. And I just, I wonder what he's talking about. Every color of the rainbow, but he's referring to it as amaryllis. Of course, amaryllis is that big, beautiful, trumpet-shaped, blooming plant that we grow at Christmas time. Well, we'll be anxious to get a little photo of that. Well, we'll be anxious for him to call us with the name, at least. That would be good. All right. So you've got a busy week, uh, busy show coming up. Busy show coming up at 11 o'clock. Lots going on. Garage, And then, uh, yeah, then it's home to... To, you know, uh, celebrate with Di on the uh, on the weekend here, the long holiday weekend. I hope everybody has a great time. Absolutely, and don't forget your case of two four because it's the two four weekend, right? Uh, that's right. That's yeah. what my son said yesterday <laughs> when he walked in with a case. I go, "What? You bought a case of beer?" He goes, "It's the two four weekend, mom." <laughs>
Jeez. <laughs> oh, you know how to grow them, I, I tell you. I sure do. Yeah. I'm going to have them out in the garden before he gets into that case, though. So uh, anyway, thank you, everybody. Great callers. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Tristan, Dave, Frank. You guys are the best. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.